0: Hi then, welcome to The Carter Report. Thanks for joining us for Focus on Prophecy. People around the world who study the Bible prophecies have come to one great conclusion. They believe that we are living in the very end of time. They believe that Jesus is going to come soon. They believe that the rapture is about to take place. And this program today is about the signs of the times, and it answers the question, who will suppress the Bible? Therefore, today, I want you to come with me right now, downtown Los Angeles in California, and come with me to the great Shrine Auditorium. I want you to be a part of the audience today. I want you to be a part of this great audience as we open up the Word of God and focus in on the prophecies of God's Holy Word. Welcome today to the Carter Report and focus on prophecy. Prophecy. It's used to peer into the future, but it must be learned from the past. The Carter Report presents Focus on Prophecy. From the Shrine Auditorium in downtown Los Angeles, John Carter unravels the mysteries of Bible prophets and brings modern meaning to this ancient book. And now, John Carter. The Bible prophets say, Right at the very end of time when people have had an opportunity, something spiritual, or there's going to come a change in the spiritual climate in the world. Now, I want you to come to an Old Testament prophecy. This is one of the strangest ones that I'll ever show you. I want you to come to page 797 to the book of Amos, chapter 8, and verses 1 down to 3. You ready for this? This is pretty strong, but you can take it. Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, a basket of summer fruit, dead ripe. And he said, Amos, what do you see, Amos? What are you looking at? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. And the songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day, says the Lord God. Many dead bodies everywhere. They shall throw them out in silence. So this is talking in the context of a tremendous catastrophe that comes upon the human race. And then in this context... Please notice the context, verse 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east, they shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Now that's... That's a little strange, isn't it? It says right in the very end of time, in America, in Australia, around the world, people are going to run around the earth from the east to the west, from the north to the south, and they will seek for the word of God and they will not find it. Do you know why? I will tell you why. Because the time for opportunity has passed. The prophets of this book say this, that God is going to give men in the last days a splendid opportunity so they can be ready for the world of tomorrow. But the day will come when that opportunity is going to be collectively and individually passed. And so people will not always have an opportunity. You see, we are living in this time of opportunity. We are living in this time of wonderful opportunities. But the Bible says the day will come when there won't be any more opportunities. And people in that day will will run from the north to the south, from the east to the west. They'll run everywhere and they'll wish to understand. But somehow there will be a change and they won't be able to understand it. So what am I trying to say tonight in this in this stumbling way what am I trying to tell you I'm trying to tell you this as I said last night America, you and I, Australia, all of us, we have a tremendous need. And you know what our need is? Our need is the need that that young soldier boy had in the Second World War when he looked up at the stars and he found God. We need to have a spiritual experience. We need somehow to get in touch with God or let God get in touch with us. And that's the only thing, my friend that is going to prepare us for the coming of the stone. Listen I want to tell you folks tonight because this is a Christian nation. Uh, It's a nation filled with churches. It is a nation filled with synagogues. It is a nation becoming filled now with mosques. America is a spiritual nation. I want to say this to you and I don't want you to be offended by what I'm going to say. Religion doesn't save a person. You hear what I'm saying? Religion doesn't save a person. There is only one thing that can save a person and get him ready for the coming of the wonderful world of tomorrow. And that is a personal experience with the God who made the stars and who sent his son down to this earth. Can you hear what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying to you, all right, go to church. Go to church and God bless you. Go to the synagogue and God bless you. But if it only goes as far as that, it's not going to do you any good. Oh, you say that's a pretty hard thing to say. No, it's not a hard thing to say. It is the truth. It is the truth. It is the truth. Like that young soldier boy in the Second World War, when he looked up, he had been to church and he'd heard it all. But when he was in the foxhole and he was facing the Great Tribulation and he knew that his hour was up, then he started to think about his relationship to his God. And what I'm inviting you to have in this meeting tonight is not just a going to church, going to the synagogue sort of experience. I'm saying we need something that is more than that. We need something that reaches us and takes us into the very presence of Almighty God and that turns us upside down and that puts peace in our soul and that puts power in our lives. I'm talking about something that you can have. I'm talking about something that's real. I'm talking about something that you can have. Look. I'm not just making this up. As a teenager in Australia, I know what what teenagers go through. I felt empty inside. Does anybody here, don't put up your hands, but can anybody relate to what I'm going to tell you? I would go from one show to another and I would come home and when the bright lights went out and and, and it was all over, I felt empty inside. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? Anybody here ever felt empty inside? Anybody here ever had a hunger and you can't satisfy the hunger? I want to tell you, my American friends, do you know why people turn to drugs? Do you know why people turn to illicit sex? Do you know why people do all these things? Because there's a hunger inside. And people are looking and looking and searching and hoping and they think if I have some of this powder it's going to take away the, the hunger inside. you can never take away the hunger inside with drugs or illicit sex or any of those or any of those things. There is only one person who can take away the hunger inside and that's the person who put the hunger inside. You know the great Roman Catholic, Theologian St. Augustine said, Our souls were made for God, he said. Our souls were made for God and they cannot rest until they rest in Him. When I was a teenager, I was hungry inside. I've spoken to thousands of people who, are, who have been hungry inside. And they say... I've spoken to beautiful people and ugly people and wealthy people and poor people and white people and black people and red people and no green people. But I've spoken to all sorts of different people. And listen, we're all the same inside. That's why this racism business is so so crazy. Why do people make a big deal about the color of a man's skin? Because if you open us up, we're all the same inside. All the same inside. And we're all hungry inside. And I want to tell you folks something. The day came when I was hungry inside and I had tried everything. And I went along to a meeting and I heard a man speak on the subject The God-filled blank. Oh, the God-filled blank. What was this crazy man talking about, I thought? He's talking about me. The God-filled blank, he said to me, you have got a blank inside. He said, you are, I said, how did he know? How does he know? How does he know? He's talking about me. He said, you've got a hunger inside. You've got a blank inside. And you're trying to fill it with everything. But he said, only the one who made you can fill it. And you know what I did? I turned in faith to the one who made me, the God who made the stars, the God who inspired the Scriptures, the God who gave the prophecies. And when I turned to Him in faith, all of a sudden I found I was no longer hungry inside. I was filled up and I've been satisfied ever since. I've been filled up and I've been satisfied ever since. You know, you can... You can talk about that, but I want to tell you folks something. You can't understand it until you experience it. Who likes mangoes? You know, wonderful food. I've met some people who've never tasted a mango. Can you explain to a person who's never tasted a mango what a mango is like? There's only one way to know what a mango is like and that is to get in the bathtub and eat the mango. Isn't it? Isn't You've got to experience it. Now, my friend, I'm saying to you tonight, I want you to not just think about it and not just be interested in what I'm saying here tonight. I want you to experience it. I want you to experience it. I want you to have it so that you can have a part in the great coming kingdom of God. I'd like to send you a gift. If you'd like to have a free copy of today's lecture, then please write to me, John Carter, Care of the Carter Report, Box 3390, Hollywood, California. And please remember to mention the lecture by name. Write to me, John Carter, Care of the Carter Report, Box 3390, Hollywood, California. Hi there, friend. Beverly and I have a special invitation for you. Join us this Saturday at 333 East Colorado, Glendale, California. The program starts at 10.45 a.m. With some tremendous music. We have great musicians and great singers, and we'd love you to come and join us. And then we have the strong teaching of the Word of God. The place is 333 East Colorado, Glendale, California, Saturday, 10.45 a.m. I said i was going to talk about the signs the omens we're going to come over here to the blackboard and we're going to have a little look there are lots and lots of passages here but we're not going to look up the passages but you can write them down or you can get them in some other way we're going to talk about the signs of the times jesus christ spoke about the signs of the times In Matthew 24 his disciples came to him and they said Lord how do we we know when this great day is going to come? How do we know when the great stone is going to come? How do we know that the kingdom of God is going to come? And Jesus said I am going to give you signs. Jesus said there are going to be prophecies. There are going to be prophecies. There are going to be prophecies and those prophecies are going to tell you when the stone is about to come. I have put up here, some of the prophecies. The prophet Daniel, 600 years before Jesus said, right at the very end of time, there would be a tremendous burst of knowledge. Did you know in the last hundred years, we've had more knowledge than in the last 6,000 years? Did you know that they're saying that knowledge is doubling Every four years, every four years knowledge is doubling. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 it says, knowledge will be increased right at the very end before the kingdom comes. Luke chapter 21, Jesus said, there would be famines and there would be plagues. You know, as I have traveled around the world and I've gone to places like Africa, Last year we went out with a group of people and we helped to feed the starving and it came home to my consciousness as, as never before that every day in this world 30,000 little babies starve to death. And Jesus said, there are going to be famines. And Jesus said, there are going to be tremendous plagues and tremendous pestilences. In Matthew 24, verse 7, Jesus said, one of the signs of the coming kingdom of God will be tremendous earthquakes. Did you know that? Jesus, well, there's always been earthquakes. I know that. But the Bible prophet said as we came towards the very end of time, just before the stone came, just before the kingdom, the earth would be shaken by earthquakes everywhere. Tremendous earthquakes. Matthew 24 and verse 7. Revelation chapter 11 says that in the last day, men will have the apparently impossible ability to destroy the earth. Did you know that? It says that when Christ returns, men will have the ability. These are the very words of the prophets. I'm not making these words up. It says, Christ will destroy those who destroy the earth. That is a sign. When you come to the era in the history of the earth, when men have the ability to destroy the earth, that is a sign. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says there will come tremendous violence in the land. And then when you come over here, Revelation 16 says there is going to be a a tremendous boom in the occult. Now listen to me. There is no country on the face of the earth where the occult is more alive than in America. America. There is no place where the occult is stronger than in America. The prophet in Revelation 16 said, just before the coming of the great stone, the kingdom of God, there would be a tremendous occult revival. One night we're going to talk about the strange, twisted, awful world of the occult. It is a sign of the end. Revelation chapter 13 says that the great Antichrist is going to come. I turn to people, it doesn't matter what their religion is, and people know nothing about it. In the most Christian country in the world, people know nothing about it. Revelation 13 says that a great superpower is going to arise, and this power is going to deceive the whole wide world with the mark of the beast. That's Number seven. Luke 21 says, there'll be signs in the sun, signs in the moon, and signs in the stars. Number nine, Matthew 24 says, the good news of the kingdom is going to be preached in the whole wide world, and then Christ will come. And 1 Thessalonians chapter five says, the kingdom of God is going to come when people are going to be saying, peace and safety. Everything is wonderful. We've finished with war. It's going to be a wonderful time of peace and prosperity and the millennium is coming, and then the stone comes. I want to share with you tonight about my deepest conviction. I believe here and here. I believe in my soul. I don't know how I can say it strong enough so you'll understand how I feel about this. I believe that the prophecies that were given thousands of years ago are in the process of fulfillment. I believe that those ten great signs on the blackboard are in the process of being fulfilled. And the brand new world order is about to come. I believe it. I'm convinced about it. I don't know how you feel about it, but people everywhere are getting a similar conviction. There are the New Age people. They say there's a new age coming. The Muslims say there's a great change coming in the world, around the world, wherever you go, people of every religion, every faith, people without any faith, they say something is about to happen to the planet. Something is about to happen to America. I want to tell you, folks, something Something is about to happen. you know what we need I go back to it before I go back to what I said to you before I want to talk to myself when you just listen in what I need is a personal experience with my Heavenly Father I need a supernatural experience (laughs) And so, what am am I trying to tell you tonight? I'm saying rejoice. Jesus said, when you see this, rejoice. Jesus said, stand up tall. Jesus said, rejoice. Look up. Lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. Jesus said, this is nothing to make you afraid. This is good news. Rejoice. But then he said something else. He said, rejoice and prepare. Rejoice and prepare. I wish we would do both. My American friends, you know the story of the great civil war that tore this country in two. You know the story of the Battle of Gettysburg, don't you? The two commanding generals had been boyhood friends and that battle raged on for days. And after two or three days, The South took their final stand or attempt for the mastery. As I've read the story of Gettysburg, it's a thrilling story because the South came on brave men, though misguided. The South came on, and as they came on marching bravely up the fields, the North did everything to stop them and poured in hell. And the South, brave men, they continued to come on because they lost the Battle of Gettysburg. They lost everything they had fought for. And the South, those Southern men, continued to come on. And and they, they were just mowing down. And in the end, the ranks of the South broke. And when Lincoln heard the news, he sent the message, Pursue the enemy break his power now is your opportunity to end this war said lincoln pursue 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 break his power bring the war to an end crush the rebellion and save lives but the north couldn't follow up you know why the north had fought to the point of exhaustion they couldn't pursue and that night A pale moon looked down upon the fields of Gettysburg and the men were lying there in heaps, dead bodies by the thousands, by the tens of thousands. The American Civil War saw more atrocities and more casualties than any battle that ever took place in Europe. The fighting was the bloodiest And that night as the moon looked down, it saw men lying there by the thousands, and some wore gray and some wore blue. And one part of the field, there came a little old man, and he was carrying a lantern. He was a Quaker. And as he came across the field, the historian says, he would put down the lantern, and he'd cup his hands, and he'd call out, John Hartman, thy father seeketh thee. And then he'd go a little further with the lantern up, looking at the faces of the soldiers. Some were there, arms blown off and moaning in pain, and he'd cry, John Hartman, thy father seeketh thee. And at one part of the field, my friend, where the battle had been the worst and the bodies were the thickest, a poor American soldier got up on his elbow and he cried out, John Hartman, can you hear? Your father is seeking you. And he started to cry, John Hartman. And across the field of Gettysburg from dying men came the cry, John Hartman, one soldier, said, Would to God that were my father seeking me. And finally, a boy more dead than alive pulled himself up on his chest, on his elbows, and cried out, Father, Father. They say the old Quaker man went over and he put down the lantern and he picked up the boy. And he put his arms around the boy and he carried the boy home. I want to tell you something tonight. You and I have a Father who is seeking for us. And he comes across the field. He comes across the field. He comes across the field where people are bruised and bleeding and dying and in despair. And he says, John Hartman, thy Father seeketh thee. What can I say to you tonight? I poured out my heart to you tonight. I want to say this to you tonight. There's a new world coming, friend. There's a new world coming by and by. It's coming soon. The signs tell me it's coming. The stone is coming. The stone is coming. And I have a Father who is seeking me. And he's seeking you. And maybe somebody here tonight says, I can't do it. I can't make it. I'm not strong enough. The good news is this. You don't have to be. You have a father who is the creator God. He's strong enough to take you home. That's the good news.